Warning! Deep Fix contains adult content and language. So if you don't touch processed foods but eat gummy bears, this may not be for you. And now, Deep Fix. Hello, and welcome to Deep Fix, where we're getting a fix of all of our favorite obsessions. I'm your host, Jen B. And this season, we are breaking down the iconic Real Housewives of New York City seasons one through three. And this episode, we are breaking down season two, episode seven, Kelly versus Bethany. Now, let's get our fix. All right, you guys, we have made it to Kelly versus Bethany. I am so excited about this episode. I've been waiting to launch in to what really started it all with the drama between Kelly and Bethany. We've been seeing it brew a little bit, right? We've seen some jabs. We've heard some things about Kelly pretending she doesn't know Bethany, inappropriately flirting with her boyfriend in the past. But here it comes to a head. And we get to see not only Bethany's verbal prowess, right? Kelly is no match for her. But we also get to see the side of Kelly that Bethany has been hinting at for a couple of episodes. And this is the feud that really started to turn the volume up on Roni and ultimately what led to the most iconic Scary Island. So I can't contain my excitement any longer. Let's jump into a quick overview of the episode because it's turtle time. Kelly versus Bethany opens up with no surprise Kelly, because we know they're great at foreshadowing. So we see Kelly, who has been invited by Ramona to sit front row at the Badgley Mishka fashion show because it is now the end of New York Fashion Week. And at the fashion show, we see Kelly give her side of the story to Ramona about Bethany's Madonna comment at Jill's charity meeting, which is questionable as to how truthful it is. We also see her later on in the episode on a date with a hot Italian guy. And we also see her go with Luann to the Page Six magazine party with most of the other ladies. But the gem of this episode is, of course, the meeting she calls with Bethany at the Brass Monkey, where she lets Bethany know that she's down there and Kelly is up here. It's iconic housewife shit, you guys. And as for Bethany... Most of what we see of her this episode is about the meeting with Kelly, where she not only bests Kelly's attempt to put her in her place, but she manages to give us a glimpse, or is it really Kelly that gives us the glimpse, into Kelly's absolutely crazy behavior. And remember, Kelly's up here and Bethany's down there. We also get to see Bethany give Ramona her side of the story when Ramona invites Bethany to one of Mario's tennis matches. And as for Ramona, we see a lot of her this episode, although she's not the center of it. She does kind of play the audience for us. She is the sounding board of a lot of the ladies' stories. And so again, we open with she and Kelly at the Badgley Mishka fashion um, show at the end of Fashion Week, where Kelly gives Ramona her side of the Madonna story. 
But then we also see that Ramona invites Bethany to one of Mario's tennis matches where she gets Bethany's side of the story as to the brass monkey encounter. We also get a great setup of the next Jill-Ramona feud when we see Ramona out to dinner with Mario discussing the tennis match that Mario was going to set up for the ladies. And we get an insight into some of Jill's antics, which are making things very difficult. And we also see Ramona has a little beef with Kelly regarding an article she wrote in Page Six magazine. And then at the Page Six magazine party, we see her confront Kelly about the bone she has to pick, which they eventually resolve. But then Mario confronts Jill about her antics regarding the tennis match. And man, do sparks fly. It's such good television. And then, of course, Ramona also manages to get into it with Alex and Simon yet again. And as for Alex, we get a short scene that gives us an update on their Brooklyn house renovations. But then, as I said, she also attends the Page Six magazine party with Simon, where we see Simon and Mario discuss the Jill incident. And then, of course, Ramona manages to get into a fight again with Alex and Simon, which ends with Simon and uh, Alex walking away yelling, hypocrite! And then for Jill, we see an update on her condo renovation as well and learn that, of course, she went over budget. No surprise there. But the biggest part of this episode for Jill revolves around her fight with Mario over the tennis match, where Mario tells her the 15 minutes of fame are going to her head. And then lastly, we've got Luann. She has a very small role in this episode as as it's mostly dominated by the Kelly versus Bethany drama. But we do see Kelly pick her up for the Page Six magazine party where Kelly gives Luann a breakdown of her side of the story of the epic meeting with Bethany at the Brass Monkey. So with that, let's get into mentioning it all about the iconic Season 2, Episode 7, Kelly vs. Bethany. Are y'all ready for Kelly versus Bethany? Oh, I'm so excited. This is the episode I have been waiting to get to, although I'm really excited to get to season three and Scary Island and all of those great things, but this is really the beginning. It's what starts to really turn up the volume on Roni and was the beginning of just classic Housewives television. So as I mentioned earlier, episode seven opens up with Kelly. It's the end of New York's Fashion Week, And Ramona has invited her to the Badgley Mishka fashion show. So we see Kelly and Ramona. They're on the step and repeat red carpet. Apparently, Ramona got two front row tickets to the show and she invited Kelly. And it's so funny to hear them talk early on before the relationships have formed because Ramona says she gets really good energy from Kelly and that's why she invited her. And so we see the two of them. They're sitting front row waiting for the show to start. And they're talking about how they get along really well. Ramona, of course, agrees. And then Kelly launches into her explanation about what she thinks happened at Chill's charity event with the evidently she's Madonna comment from Bethany. And we really start to get a sense of how Kelly does live in her own world because she's just trying to justify everything that happened, saying that she just, you know, she walked in, she didn't know what the charity was all about. So of course, she's not going to put her name on it. And then she goes into this whole tirade about bad manners, and they're really repulsive to her. And I feel like she's doing that whole personality mirroring thing again with Luann and the manners topic. And as she goes on to explain to Ramona her side of the story, she's definitely playing it like she was the victim. She did nothing wrong. And Bethany just came out of nowhere and attacked her. 
And so based on that story, Ramona says, well, yeah, Bethany should have just taken you aside if she has something to say to you, you know, if there was a problem. And we see in Ramona's confessional, she say that Kelly has always been very calm and nice and upbeat when she's around her. But there was something about this situation that really got under her skin because Kelly seemed really pissed. And we see Kelly, she's going on about what happened. Bethany was saying, I'm a yes person and you're a no person. And we hear Ramona say, well, do you think it's jealousy or is she threatened by you? What, what is causing all of these problems? And then we get just uh, another classic Kellyism. She says to Ramona, well, we live in two totally different worlds and it's ridiculous. Why would she be jealous of me? It would be like me being jealous of... And she looks around and she goes... You, Ramona, why would I be jealous of you? And it's like, holy shit, Kelly, Jesus. But then Kelly is luckily saved by the show because the fashion show begins. We see them sit through it and watch it. And after the show, they go backstage and meet one of the designers, Mark Badgley. He meets with Ramona and Kelly, and then they go off to what's clearly like a VIP area. And then Ramona, we see she's just trying to make girl talk with Kelly And she asks for some advice because she says she doesn't like to be around Simon and she doesn't really know, you know, exactly how to handle it. And Kelly's advice is, it's okay, but in so many ways, it's shallow as always. It's like she can't tap into reality. So Kelly's advice is, who cares? Just say hi and move on. And we see Kelly going on, is he bothering your family? Is he bothering your husband? Is he bothering your business? Well, no, then move it along. And Ramona tries to explain to Kelly that that's a good approach, but Simon will also try to talk to her and and approach her. And that's when she doesn't quite know how to graciously exit. And during this combination, you can tell Kelly cannot stand anybody else talking. She gets a bit domineering, like, no, no, listen to me. Listen to me, Ramona. It's just a little taste of who Kelly is. But Kelly goes on to just say, just excuse yourself and walk away. And she does this thing. It drives me crazy. But she calls grown ass women girl constantly. So she says to Ramona, look, you're a great girl. You know, you're a great girl. Just just move it along. Don't don't let him drag you down. And I just find the whole thing very condescending. I have a feeling that if she does do this personality marrying, if she doesn't know how to behave, and so perhaps she just takes social cues from everyone around her. She's hanging out in the Hollywood socialite model world where there's a lot of condescension and people thinking they're better than everybody else. So maybe this is something she's picking up from them. Maybe it's just that she's a condescending asshole. I can't quite figure it out. But calling these grown women and very accomplished women's gr- women girls, it's just it doesn't sit well with me. And then Kelly goes on to talk about what a good judge of character she is and that she needs to talk to Bethany about what happened. And Ramona, in a very kind way, tries to give her some perspective on Bethany and her background, explaining that she had a rough childhood. She didn't have a lot of family. She grew up in an unconventional way. And Kelly's reaction, of course, is to snap back. I don't care. I don't care. She grew up in the woods. There's no excuse. And she's clearly fit to be tied. And as the ladies are leaving, we see the all-wise and all-knowing Kelly give Ramona a last bit of pep talk about Simon. And she says, all right, so the next time I see you, you're going to be like, hi, Simon, what's up? And walk away because life is too short. And the scene ends. Then we cut to Jill and her Upper East Side condo. Remember, she is doing a full renovation of her house, of her condo. And her gay husband, Brad, is showing Jill the new wallpaper. Clearly, there's been a lot of work done since the last time we saw it. 
There is now wallpaper installed. Some of her sculptures and pieces of furniture that she ordered are arriving. And we get a little room-to-room tour. We can see that some of their kitchen cabinet knobs have arrived. We see that they've um, redone the cabinets and kind of inlaid with some wallpaper or something that looks like maybe they've mod-podged in. It looks really nice. And then when we get to her daughter Allie's bedroom, it's hilarious. It's so Brad and Jill. Brad says something about he designed the cabinet that's in Allie's room. And Jill is like, "Uh, no, thank you. I designed it. They have a little bit of a, a scuffle over that. But the apartment seems to be coming along. Jill seems to be happy for the most part. And then we see Jill talking to Bobby, her husband, about the budget. And she says, well, you know, we had a budget and of, of course we went over it. <laughs> and in true Jill fashion, she says, but it's not my fault. It's, it's Brad's fault. It's like, Jill, this is your house. It's your fault. But you can see Bobby, he just doesn't care. He's so sweet. And we see Jill's voiceover where she says, Bobby loves me and he wants me to be happy. And he knows my home is the most important thing to me, which I'm sure if she went back and listened to that, I'm sure she'd rather say her daughter and her husband, her dog, all of those things are the most important thing to her. But we see Bobby talking to her. He says he doesn't sweat the small stuff. And in the end, it will be just fine. He's happy with the house. And as they're walking out to leave the condo, he says, now tell me, how much did you go over budget? And the scene ends with Jill saying, never. I'm never telling you. It's so Jill. Well, then we cut to Alex, which they always do a great job of the compare and contrast of Jill and Alex or Alex really and any of the other ladies who have real money. And we are at Alex's Brooklyn house. She is also in the midst of a major redo. They're redoing several floors and they have a full on demo situation, not just a, you know, re kind of dressing up. They have a lot of construction and demolition, whereas Jill is really more about redecorating the house. So we see one of their contractors arrive and of course, it just it never fails. Right off the bat, their kids start ruining the sample boards that the contractor has brought over. He's got like tile samples and fabric samples. And of course, the boys go right over and just start pulling them off. And it's like, just you guys, your kids have no boundaries. Get them under control. And then we get a Simon confessional, which is just particularly cringeworthy. He's the ego on this guy mixed with the insecurity. I just ugh. You know, he's going on saying, oh, he's so lucky because he can keep a fair amount of information up in his head. You know, he's so smart, of course. And he goes on explaining he's always had a brain for numbers. And as a kid, he read encyclopedias instead of novels. So if you're not getting it, guys, he's really, really smart. It's just like, Simon, get over yourself. And then we also see the their lighting technician arrives. They're talking about the art that they've purchased. I do feel like Simon, again, he's putting on airs. He's pretending to be something he's not because he says, we don't spend money on art. Our clothing is like our art. And here he is talking to the lighting technician, who I'm sure doesn't know them from Adam. And there's cameras, so so they're likely playing up the television angle of it all. And they're talking about this giant Alice Cooper poster, or pardon me, piece of art that they bought, and with a big snake, and they're talking about where the sconces should go, and right, they're so fabulous. When in reality, it's like, you just buy the crap, you're not eccentric, you just buy the crap that nobody else wants to, and so you get a designer piece for really cheap. But anyway, we fade to black as we can see the Van Campens definitely have a lot more work to do on the renovation of their townhouse. And then after the very first commercial break, 
we get the infamous Kelly versus Bethany brass monkey scene. And this is something else that I love about the early Housewives seasons and episodes is that Bravo and the production company isn't making us wait until the last five minutes of the episode to give us a little bit of the the drama and then do a to be continued. We get it right from the jump. They let us marinate on it. They don't try to cut it. It's so much better, you guys. Take note. Hello, Bravo. We don't need to wait until the last five minutes of the show. So we open up with one of Kelly's confessionals where she's saying that based on what happened at Jill's charity meeting and Bethany's attitude, she wasn't impressed. And so she decided Bethany needed a timeout, which first of all, who the hell do you think you are? And second of all, I'm surprised that if you think she needs a timeout, then you then also asked her to meet up with you. But whatever, it's Kelly. So we open up on Bethany. She's sitting at the Brass Monkey, clearly at what looks like a bar table. She's in a great black sequin tank top, black slacks, really pretty black pumps. She just looks classic. She looks very well put together. And we see Bethany's confessional where she says that, oddly, Kelly asked to meet with her. And because Kelly doesn't really bother even talking to Bethany, it seemed that she wanted to have some sort of a sit down. They give us a little bit of a clue that Kelly is once again running late because we see Bethany in one of the clips looking at her watch while she's sitting there by herself waiting for Kelly. But eventually we see Kelly arrive. She's got a closed umbrella. I can't tell if it is raining or if it's just an accessory, but she's got a green off the shoulder fuzzy short dress on and pink hunter rain boots, you know, that come up to her knee. Very interesting outfit. And when Kelly walks up to the table where Bethany is sitting, we see Bethany check her Blackberry. And I couldn't help but notice that Bethany is likely noting what time she arrived because as we hear, Bethany's been sitting there for over a half hour waiting for Kelly. So Kelly, who's all over the place, she sits down at the table kind of abruptly and says, thanks for meeting with me. Bethany says, no problem. I've been waiting here, though, for 30 minutes. And Kelly says, oh, really? Oh, that's too bad. And then she jumps right into her little tirade that she's about to unleash on Bethany. And it's like right off the bat, Bethany was not being snarky. She didn't seem to appear like she was looking for trouble. But of course, Kelly just sets the tone right off the bat with attitude. And so Kelly jumps right in. She says she just wants to make something perfectly clear. They are not friends. And Bethany says, yeah, correct. And Kelly says, well, your attitude is for kids. And if you want to play with me, you come up to me. I don't go down to you. And like I said, Kelly came in hot. There's nothing kind or even approachable about what's going on. And so Bethany responds, excuse me, I don't do anything you want me to do. And you can see from that moment, Kelly can't handle it. I think she truly does surround herself with the Hollywood model yes type people who all work for her. So they just yes her constantly to death. And she's not used to being challenged, so she doesn't know what to do when she's challenged, let alone when she's got someone like Bethany across the table from her, who is sharp and sharp-tongued. I mean, you're, you know, she's no match for Bethany, so this is getting good. So when Bethany responds that I don't do anything you want me to do, Kelly has no response, and she awkwardly just laughs and is like, honestly, Bethany? Honestly? And then she just stares at her. And so Bethany says, well, I'm waiting to hear what you invited me here to say, which is clearly nothing. Kelly was hoping just to say some shitty comments, Bethany not to respond at all, probably like she's used to, and then leave, thinking that she got the upper hand. And so Kelly then clearly has to think of something to say. So she just launches in with, look, I will not indulge you. We are not the same, okay? This is you. And she puts one hand down kind of by the tabletop. And this is me. 
and she puts her other hand high up by her head. We don't talk. Okay, you've got it. It's just, it's absolutely insane and very rude. And I just, again, Bethany, Kelly's no match for her. It's so great. She says, you're up here because why? And Kelly says, "Uh, because I won't put up with your antics and bullshit. It's totally inappropriate. And I know you think it's cute and fun, but you embarrass yourself. And I felt badly for you. And I was like, that poor girl, the girl again, I just, they're ladies, they're women, they're people. To call a 40-something-year-old woman, accomplished woman, a girl, short of like, hey, girl, I'm sorry, I'm over it. But this is where Kelly has really stepped in it because, again, she's going, trying to go head-to-head with Bethany. It's not going to go well. So Bethany looks at her and says, you felt badly for me? We were talking about an arthritis charity and you said that's so cute. I actually felt badly for you. (laughs) Boom, roasted. I love it. So then Kelly goes on to say, the difference between you and me, Bethany, is that while you're busy talking, I am busy doing things, which is a total Kellyism, very broad, unspecific comments about everything. And she goes on to tell Bethany that she needs to, like, realize the situation. And because Bethany knows how to engage, she asks Kelly, what are you busy doing exactly? Kelly has no answer. She says, I don't like you. I don't think you're funny. I don't think you're charming. And we are not friends. We will never be friends. And Bethany's like, yeah, correct. We will never be friends. And Kelly doesn't really know what to say. So she's like, okay, well, good. Well, then I'm glad you get that. And now here comes Bethany with just the honest truth that Kelly can't handle. And she asks Kelly, so you invited me here to just make yourself feel better? Like what, you're up here because you're a model, you'll put your name on any invitation because you collect celebrities as friends, like you're so much more fabulous than me, is that it? And then she goes on to say, you've met me 10 times and still act like you don't know me? Is is that why you're so much better than me, Kelly? And Kelly's like, oh, really? That That's all she has is an oh, really? And then Kelly kind of leans in and says, all right, you want to reflect back? Let's go down memory lane. Bethany's probably in her mind going, Okay. And she goes, you came to my house with a man. And Bethany's like, yes, who you flirted with the entire time. And of course, Kelly's one of her only responses is, oh, really? I flirted with a guy from Wired talking about Bethany's photographer boyfriend. And then Kelly goes on to say that he was hired to take her picture. And Bethany is sitting there a little stunned and says, he actually wasn't hired by you that night. He was my boyfriend and he came with me. And then Kelly, it's like, at the very least, be aware that you don't really know what's going on because Kelly does the, oh, really? You were invited to my house? And Bethany's like, yes, by Jenny Hilfiger. You you had her trunk show there. She's a friend of mine. And Kelly's like, okay, whatever. Like, Jenny has her opinion of you. But I thought it was interesting because part of the issue is Kelly acts like she has no idea who Bethany is. She tried to do that whole thing last episode at Runway Run-In where she was acting like she was going to introduce Bethany to kind of rock and roll photographer world, which this is what they're talking about. So clearly Kelly knows that Bethany was dating the rock and roll photographer and very clearly remembers meeting Bethany because she jumps out and says, well, you came to my house. And so again, you're showing your hand, Kelly, you do remember Bethany, which means the only reason why you were pretending like you don't know her is to be an asshole. And then Kelly goes on just again, kind of saying broad platitudes, I was disgusted by your behavior. And Bethany's like, really, what exact behavior are you disgusted about? Like doing what? What what was I doing? And Kelly says, you tell me doing what? And Bethany just looks at her as like, it's like, hello, Kelly, 
You just claimed that you were disgusted by her behavior. She said doing what? And you're telling her to tell you? It's literally cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And I think at that point, Bethany realizes that Kelly is just floundering. And she goes, look, you're making up things to make yourself feel better. And it's really hard to watch. And then we get another Kelly. Oh, really? Really? And Kelly goes, look, let's talk about yesterday. So clearly this is the day after the infamous Madonna comment. And Kelly says, you know, let's talk about what you said with your little friend, which again, not a great way to approach it. Bethany explains, I didn't even know that person and she didn't know who you were. And Kelly's response again is, oh, really? And Bethany's like, yes, she's one of the very few people in this world, Kelly, who don't know who you are. And then Kelly continues her tirade and it's like, you, oh, you think it's your job to tell people who you think they are? I'm a stranger, Bethany. I'm a stranger. And Bethany's like, you're not a stranger. I've met you like seven times. I'm just not famous enough for you to pay attention to. And at that point, I don't think Kelly can handle the facts. So she says, look, I- I'm done talking with you. I don't want to know you. Have a great life. Later. And gets up and leaves. And it's so childish and abrupt. And we see Bethany sitting there by herself and she just kind of says, well, that was interesting. And then we cut to Bethany's confessional where she says, basically, she was a calamity and she means calamity. And as she goes on to explain, she got up from the table to leave and she clearly thought that Elvis had left the building. But when she went downstairs to go out the door, Kelly was lurking in the doorway just to give her a few more words of wisdom. And we see Kelly, she is lurking in the doorway. And then she just starts freaking out on Bethany saying, you need to chill out. You are so inappropriate. And Bethany sits there and looks at her and says, I'm completely calm. And then Kelly does like, oh, my God, you're so crazy. I have to go on a date. Bye. And she runs upstairs and it's all crazy. Talk about projecting. I mean, who's the crazy one in this conversation? And as Bethany walks away, she kind of mutters under your breath, oh, with who? Who are you going on a date with? Your imaginary boyfriend? And then we see Kelly run upstairs into the Brass Monkey to meet her date. And I put it in quotation marks because she's having a date with Maximiliano Palazzo. But fast forward to season three, we know that Max is somebody that Sonia Morgan also knows. And Maximiliano Palazzo is a young, hot Italian guy. And I just couldn't help but feel like it really... I think the wives in season two, they start to really feel the power of being able to help people by putting them on TV. And I can't help but just get the vibe from Kelly that she's basically telling all these young, hot guys that she can get them on TV. From the chef we just saw that she was flirting all over the place with, now she's with Max and very comfortable with Max. He walks in and she goes, hi, Max, Max. And she kind of does that fake flirting thing with him. And he calls her out. He's like, what, are you playing shy with me now? It's it's so great. He says, it's only been like two months. And then Kelly's like, oh, or three or four or five. And I just couldn't quite tell if Max is like some dude that acts as an escort for wealthy (laughs) Upper East Side women or I don't know. But it's just very strange. And then, of course, because Kelly can't seem to stop talking about Bethany, she goes on to tell Max that, you know, right before you got here, there's this girl, of course, girl. And she tells Max her version of the story, which, of course, she's a very nice person who is a victim, if you listen to to this whole iteration of the story. And then we see in Kelly's confessional, she says she feels like she was Bethany's parent, you know, having to explain to her that this is proper protocol, this isn't proper protocol. She says she was just very unsettled by the whole thing because it was so sophomoric and childish in high school. 
Which again, this is just projection at its finest because who was acting like the mean high school chick? And so as she explains to Max the situation, she's going on, she's never dealt with anything like that. She explains that Bethany says, well, you've met me like 15 times and don't remember me. And then Kelly shows her bitchy hand. She goes, well, maybe there's a reason for that. Like, think about it. I don't know if she thinks this is going to impress Max, but nasty behavior doesn't usually attract men, at least the right kind. And I think even Max is annoyed because finally he's like, let her go. Let her go. Move it along. And then Kelly says, it's a foil from like that to you. Which, again, it's like someone taught Kelly the definition of foil, which I don't even think she uses it in the correct manner all of the times. But you can tell she's got like a a little box of words that she likes to use, and she uses them over and over again. And then we kind of see them. They're talking. They're clearly making their plans for the night. He accidentally kind of brushes up against her pink boots or like kicks them a little bit. She says, are you flirting with my pink boots? And Max says, oh, yes, they, they remind me a bit of the Pink Panther. It's like, it's so good. And then we see Kelly's confessional that she just thinks Max is an amazing guy. And she has no idea what's happening with Max. Very specific, Kelly. Thank you. So then we open back up with Ramona. She's at the New Rochelle Tennis Club. She has asked Bethany to join her because Mario is in the club champions uh, championship for tennis. And we see Bethany's confessional. She says um, she gets along with Ramona and they have a good time. And if Ramona asked you to go, like really asks you to do something, you do it because not showing up would be way worse than showing up. So as they sit to watch the match, Ramona asks about the altercation at Jill's charity event, because as you recall, at the Badgley Miska show, Kelly gave her her side of the story. So Bethany explains what really happened, and we see Ramona's wheel start to turn, and she says, oh, really? I I didn't know that part of it. And then Bethany gives us a good one-liner that she's seen Chinese takeout menus with Kelly's name on them. So the whole thing was just ridiculous. And then she goes on to explain to Ramona that that's not the half of it, because they had this whole incident at the Brass Monkey, and Ramona can't wait to hear about this. So Bethany gets up and kind of does a reenactment and she explains to Ramona, you know, she's real frenetic and skittish, which are two great terms to describe Kelly. So as Bethany's explaining to her and then says, she says, oh, you know, you're down here. I'm up here. Ramona interjects and is like, are you serious? She said that to you? And Bethany's like, on my life, this is what happened. And then we see Bethany explain in her confessional that she was expecting Kelly to show up explained to her that she made a snide comment that was rude. And Bethany says, I would have apologized. I really would have. But instead, she thinks that Kelly was under the impression she was going to bully her and tell her not to mess with her because she's up here and Bethany's down there. And Bethany says, but that's just totally lost on me. You've got the wrong girl, sweetheart. And boy, does she have the wrong girl. And I love that it was you've got the wrong girl. Probably not intentional, but too good. And in So Ramona's Confessional, we see her talking about, you know, in life, not everyone likes everyone. And so she's not surprised that some people are having issues. And then as Mario's match comes to an end, we see Ramona give a good shot comment. And then a good little foreshadowing as the scene ends where Ramona says, I'll be hitting those shots against Jill soon. So then in perfect timing, we cut to Jill's condo and the move-in is happening. But she's ordered a TV cabinet, one of those ones where your TV um, goes into and then disappears and can pop up. But the TV does not fit in the console. And the large TV that's a bit heavy going into the TV console where it can disappear, it just felt very 2009 to me. So you can see Jill. She's definitely on edge as things are moving in. 
She says, I'm upset. I'm wasting time and money with this TV. And Brad's trying to calm her down, explaining that there's been very few issues. So this really isn't a big deal. And then we see the narcissism at work because she calls Bobby. She wants to get the TV out of there. And so she, Bobby's at work. He, he's, the first thing he says to her is, I'm on the other line, you know, with, at a, with a work call. So what's going on? And of course, she's bitching and complaining that the TV needs to get out of here. Can you send some guys up to get it? And Bobby explains to her, look, we're really busy today, Jill. Can we just do this on Wednesday? But that's not going to fly for Jill. And she goes on and on. We have nowhere to put the TV. You know, you, you, you wanted the big TV and I wanted to get it for you. So I got you what you wanted, which I thought is just so n- narcissistic manipulation. Ridiculous. And so poor Bobby, he's finally like, fine, I'll send a couple of guys to come get the TV. And then we see Jill. She's talking to the contractor. Brad comes over to the contractor and says, I'm sorry, you're straight having to deal with all these women. <laughs> it's like Jill. Jill's a, Jill's a unique one. And so Jill's going on. We need the right TV. It needs to be done right or I'll torture Brad even more. And Brad, who's clearly not in charge of the TV, he's the interior decorator. He's like, why would you torture me? And scene ends with Jill saying, because that's my job. Fade to black. And so then we cut to Ramona. She's at Amber with Mario. They're sitting down for dinner. And they are talking about emails that Jill has sent about this tennis match. And we've heard bits and pieces and mentions of this tennis match over the last few episodes. But recall... Mario, who was a tennis pro in his heyday and is a nationally ranked tennis player in his age bracket, he was going to set up a a match to be filmed for the show. It was going to be he and Ramona against Jill and a partner. And Mario, being a tennis pro and being in the tennis world, knows a lot of guys said he would set Jill up with a great player and it would be really fun. And that guy would get to be on TV. But of course, nothing is that easy with Jill. And so apparently through these emails, Ramona has been sending dates. Jill is only choosing dates that Mario isn't available and is being very difficult. And we hear Ramona explain to Mario that Jill is actually making this not fun. This was supposed to be a fun tennis match between them all. It's it's no longer fun. Jill's being incredibly difficult. And she just wishes Jill would lighten up and have fun because this is not a competition for God's sakes. And Mario agrees. He says, I know she has to fly some tennis pro out from L.A. So then we see Ramona. She picks up her Blackberry. She starts to read Jill's emails to Mario, which start with, hi, I'm sitting at home doing nothing right now. And Ramona responds with, yes, Jill, that's what you're always doing. And apparently the emails, she's just complaining, saying she can't do, you know, these dates. And Mario's just had enough. He's like, what exactly does Jill do all day other than shop, eat lunch, go on trips with Bobby? This really shouldn't be that tough to find a time. And Ramona goes on and tells Mario, she's being very difficult, but it's surprising, but we've been getting along lately and she wants to keep it that way. And she explains that they're seeing her tomorrow night at the page six magazine party. And Ramona says, well, maybe you can bring it up to her, Mario. And Mario's like, why should I bring it up? And he goes, you know what? Let her bring it up. So Ramona agrees and then also says, I've got to show you an article that Kelly wrote for Page Six Magazine. And she brings out the magazine, which I couldn't help but notice that on the backside of it, there's a big picture of Sarah Jessica Parker, uh, one of those outdoor scenes. It was from the final season of Sex and the City, where she's got that kind of pink tube top on and the Hermes scarf, it looks like, on her head. And I was like, this is 2009. The show ended, what, 2004? It was still relevant. So as Ramona is going through the article, she says that Kelly writes in there that she's introducing the women of the show to the fashion world. 
And Ramona's totally insulted, and she explains that she's been in the fashion world forever. She went to FIT. She was a buyer for Macy's, Calvin Klein, French Connection. She owns her own incredibly successful business, which is in the fashion world. And then it's funny because you can tell they're not quite used to how TV works because Mario's like, I know all this already. Why are you telling me? It's like, Mario, she's got to set it up for TV. And Ramona goes on and says, I've been in the business much longer than she has. She was in diapers when I started doing this. And then it looks like Kelly may have implied that she took Ramona to the Badgley Mishka fashion show. I can't quite tell. But Mario asks Ramona, well, what are you going to do about it? And Ramona doesn't know. She says maybe Kelly's brain dead, but something is showing that she's really not as nice as she thought she was at first. There's just something amiss. And Ramona goes on to say, because not everyone's as nice as me, right, Mario? And he says, that's why I married you, but you are tough. And then we fade to black. And then we open with Luann, her only scene that she gets this episode. She's in a beautiful satin purple dress. It's cinched at the waist with a big black belt. She looks great. She always does. She has some of the best style on the show. And Kelly is picking her up. They have a driver in a car. Luann gets into the car and they are heading to the Page Six magazine party. And it looks like the Page Six magazine party was possibly for the episode that Kelly wrote the article for, and maybe Kelly was inviting them all, because I did notice that everybody attended the party except Bethany. But so they're in the car, they're off to the party, and of course, Kelly starts talking about the fight with Bethany. And she starts going over the charity event at Jill's house, which recall Luann was there. And she's like, she attacked me. And Luann questions her and says, did she attack you? I, I don't I don't know. And so Kelly explains that she took a meeting with Bethany because of her behavior. You can just see throughout this whole scene, Luann's just how shocked she is at the audacity of Kelly. She looks at Kelly and says, you called her? Oh, okay. <laughs> and then we get Luann's confessional. And she did not think that a call was necessary. Clearly, she's like, it wasn't that big of a deal, Kelly. And I think she's also, without saying it to Kelly, implying it wasn't a big deal because Kelly was an asshole that day. So Kelly explains the brass monkey meeting. She launches in with Bethany telling her that she was late. And Luann's like, well, were you late? She's like, yeah. And Luann says, so you called a meeting with her and then you were late? Kelly, come on. But of course, Kelly's not having any of it. She says that after the comment Bethany made, she could have waited all night long. It's like, oh, for God's sakes, Kelly. And then once again, Kelly tells her version of the story. And Luann says, so at the end, you just left her sitting at the table. Kelly confirms. And then we get Luann's confessional where she says, aggression is just not the right approach with Bethany. It's just not going to get you anywhere. And you can see Luann is trying to bring Kelly down a bit. And she's trying to explain that, you know, Bethany is tough, but she does have a good heart. And Kelly just, she won't hear anything. She's like, no, no, it's not tough. No, I see her as displaced. And it's just, she's just, she's cuckoo, guys. And then the scene ends with Kelly's confessional saying she feels really bad for Bethany because it makes no impact on her life whatsoever. And it's like, well, Kelly, I think Bethany would actually prefer to have it that way. So then we open back up with the Page Six magazine party. We see Luann and Kelly arrive. Jill and Bobby and Brad arrive. And then Luann greets her literary agent, David Vigliano, who it's they flash his name. They flash that he's Luann's literary agent. And I couldn't help but notice this because my little hunch that I mentioned earlier, where I really feel like the ladies this season, now that it's season two, you know, that they're a bit more popular, they really started to understand that they can get their friends famous or they can get things from others by doing them favors, by putting them on TV. Because why else 
would David Vigliano, the literary agent, get his name flashed up on the screen and this just kind of nothing scene happens where he gets screen time. And they're giving us good flashes of the party. Candace Bushnell arrives. It's her first, but not last, Roni appearance. She's just written a book, and so that's also what's being promoted. We also see Alex and Simon arrive. And then we go back to the rooftop with Luann and Kelly and Luann's literary agent. And Kelly says, well, what's the protocol for drinks? It's like they set up a little manners conversation. And Luann explains that the man is supposed to get our drinks, to which... Um, to which her literary agent says he'll go get them drinks. And he accidentally calls Luann the Duchess. And then he says, well, you explain to her, well, you should have been a Duchess. So Luann goes on to explain a story about how the title of Duke of Suez was offered to her husband's ancestors, but, but they declined the title because they were perfectly fine with being the Count and the Countess. Which again, great. Thank you for the story. We appreciate it. It was really just, I think, another plug for the book. We head back down, we see Mario and Ramona arrive, and Ramona has a bone to pick with Kelly. So right when they get there, she greets Kelly and asks her to speak, and she first starts in by asking Kelly if she went to college, and Kelly says that she went to Columbia. And Ramona says, great, okay, well, I went to FIT, and I've been involved in the fashion industry for a long time, so I was really surprised when you said in your article that you were introducing us to the fashion world. And then Kelly, I don't know why she backs down so fast, maybe she actually didn't mean it, I don't know. But Kelly says, oh, no, no, not you. I wasn't talking about you, Ramona. You're the one that took me to the Badgley Mishka show. I mean, come on. So I think Ramona was also kind of shocked. I don't think she expected Kelly to acquiesce so quickly. So Ramona says, "Okay, all right, we're done. Thank you. You know, I appreciate it. And then Mario goes over to say hello to Jill. And Jill, he goes in for the hug. And Jill gives him the wagging finger instead of the hug. And you can see that's all Mario needed was a little bit of a green light to go in on Jill. And she gave it to him. And we see in Jill's confessional, she says that this time with Mario, she's picking a fight. She says to Mario, I don't like your email. And Mario says, well, yours was even worse, Jill. And he goes on to just rip Jill a new one about the world does not revolve around Jill Zarin. I know you think it does, but it doesn't. He says, I know you're busy shopping and lunching and traveling and you're very, very busy, Jill. And now Jill's getting pissed. And she says, oh, yeah, and you're just playing tennis and playing tennis. And Mario says, please, I run a business, but Jill just won't stop. And then we see Mario's confessional where he explains that before he took over the family business, he was a tennis bro, and he's very well versed in setting up games and making sure everybody has a good time. And there's no reason for Jill to not trust him and think that he was going to set her up with some loser. And so Mario also makes sure to tell Jill that this was never just going to be a girl's game. You keep trying to act like that. This was me and Ramona against you and another man. And Jill, you know, her only response is, well, it should have been just a girl's game. And Mario just goes in. He says, no one wants to watch another one of your girls' games. The only thing that was good about that game was when Ramona told you to be quiet because you talk too much. And then as Mario goes in on her again about how busy she is, Jill's like, excuse me, I work a full-time job and I run two charity events. And again, she gave Mario, she cracked the door open for him. And he goes, really? A full-time job doing what? And Jill's like, I work at Zarin Fabrics. And Mario's like, yeah, I I saw you working and what you do. And then we get Mario's confessional where he says for Jill to try and convince all of us that she works for a living is a bit of a stretch. 
And so Mario just continues in on Jill. And he's like, look, I set up the game. I have the connection to the club. You should have just been happy and gone along with it. Just go with the flow. And instead, it becomes like, oh, my LA pro can only come out on this day. And he goes, you know, Jill, your 15 minutes of fame have gone to your head and you think the world revolves around you. And Jill, just her blood is boiling. She's like, I'm going to punch you out. Mario's like, go ahead, go ahead. And I have to say, I also had the realization because I think we give the New Jersey men, the house husbands of New Jersey, a lot of credit because we do love watching them. Let's be honest. They are some of the most fun, if not the most. But now that I'm looking back on Mario and Bobby and Simon, I'm like, you know, I feel like these men of Real Housewives of New York City, the early years, also set the tone to show Bravo that there's a little bit of ratings gold in them as well. But I digress. So at this point, they're getting a little heated. Bobby, Jill's husband, comes up, asks if she needs any help. And Jill kind of jokes and says, call security. And she yells, Wayne! She explains that Wayne is their driver, but he also does security. And so Wayne comes up laughing and you see him shaking Mario's hand, saying hello. (laughs) It's so good. And Jill's just pissed. She's like, don't shake his hand. And then Mario says, Jill, you should have just been happy. You know, just be happy. You should have been happy to help him out. And they don't go into that. But I also picked up on that little conversation because I think that proves what I'm saying earlier. Mario was also kind of counting on Jill to have him help his other tennis pro friend out, right? It was going to give him publicity. And so Jill, it's you don't see this, but there's kind of a double dagger that Jill's putting into Mario's back to not only not give them the airtime, but when they're going to her to try to give one of their friends some airtime, she's just cutting it out and trying to make a big deal about it. And so Jill's response is, fine, I don't want to play with him and I don't want to play with you now. And Mario goes, well, fine, pack up your toys and go home then. (laughs) And, you know, Mario's just like, we don't need you, Jill. Bobby jumps into like damage control. He's like, let's go on vacation. I'll, I'll take you to the Greek Isles. We'll go there instead. And it's like, she's so overly coddled and clearly a disaster. So then we see Mario. He comes up to Ramona, who's being interviewed. And he's like, you abandoned me with that wild woman. He's like, Jill, the wild woman. And the reporter you hear say, did we get that? (laughs) I loved it. And then we cut back to Jill and Bobby and he's asking if he needs to get involved. And Jill's like, no. And then we see Jill's confessional where she says, I have to say there is a little pleasure in sparring with the singers. It's like she kind of gets a she gets something out of it. She likes it. And we like it because it's good TV. So win win. So then we see later on, Simon comes up to Mario and Simon's a bit shocked. He's like, you're such a placid guy. I've never seen you like that before. You know, what's going on with you and Jill? And Mario just says, look, she just thinks everything revolves around her and I'm sick of it. Ramona comes over from the bar and she's like, we see her confessional. She says, of course, I come back from the bar and who is Mario talking to? Simon, my best friend. So Ramona comes up, she kind of hears what they're talking about, and she starts chiming in and she's explaining, you know, it's an honor to play with Mario. And they're just all talking about the situation. And we see Simon's confessional that he was shocked because it's a rare occurrence that Ramona was talking to him like a normal human without stomping away from him. And then Alex comes up and Mario says, Alex, we're looking for a fourth. Are you interested? And Alex says, well, for what? (laughs) And they kind of make a cheeky joke and they're laughing. And Ramona comments, what is it about the mix of us? We get along, then we don't, then we get along. What is up with us? And you could see they must have started talking about that because then we see Simon talking about, you know, we went out last year, we had a great time, and then you never spoke to us again. And they're referring back to season one reunion. Go back and check out our episode on that. 
But when Mario and, well, really Ramona has a fit about the fact that Alex had topless photos published shortly after the, I think, the final episode. And so Mario explains they're mad because they knew that certain things were about to happen, like i.e. the publication of the topless photos. And they had had them to a really nice event a couple of days before, and they didn't mention anything to them. And we see Ramona's confessional. She goes, they knew it. They planted it. I don't care what they said, which is probably true. But the fact that Ramona's disgusted by it, it's a bit hypocritical. And Simon tells her as much. And Ramona is getting heated. And we see her say, you know what, Alex? I don't believe anything you say. You always deny, deny, deny. And Alex says, and you're rude. So there we are. (laughs) And then Simon calls out the hypocrisy to Ramona and says, look, I don't know how you can be so upset about topless photos coming out about Alex, because the very first season, I think the very first episode, you were in your backyard in the Hamptons kissing on the lips one of your friend who is a Playboy model. She was nude in photographs that got published. And so Simon says, you know, so who has the problem, Ramona? Let's call a hypocrite a hypocrite. And then they're really getting into it. Just when we thought they were going to get along, of course, things don't go that way. And the scene ends with Simon and Alex walking away, yelling at Ramona, hypocrite. God, this was a good episode. Well, I can't believe it, but that's the end of our breakdown of season one, episode seven, Kelly versus Bethany. But get ready, guys, because although this is the end of the episode, it is just the beginning of the feud and the beginning of really what started to put Roni on the map. And it only gets better from here. So join us next time when we break down Roni Season 2, Episode 8, Game, Set, Feud. And please subscribe to us on Apple Podcast, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, and most other places you get your podcasts. And please follow and like us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Deep Fix Podcast. Until next time, see y'all then.